0: CIM podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the CIM podcast series. And, you know, when I was studying English literature at school, I studied a piece of American literature called Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. And uh, that comes from an old Robert Burt's poem that says, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And that's what's happened here, because this podcast was due to go out um, just after we'd come back from our Christmas Holidays. And we were going to be talking about Brand USA, Brand Trump, Brand Biden. And it was superseded by events on Capitol Hill where there was a mass insurrection against the incoming president. So the best laid plans of and Men did go awry and we're here today re-recording it. And we're here with an American classic of our own, who is Alison Stewart Allen, who um, surprisingly is only one degree of separation removed from Donald Trump because Alison has been, as you've probably seen on television. She's been on The Apprentice You're Fired and is known as the muse of marketing. And she also has a great new book out called Working With Americans, which is getting rave reviews in the business press. More to the point, she is a former CIM board member at Moore Hall and a big and important part of the CIM family. And, you know, since we last met for the podcast that never was, have your perceptions of the USA's brand changed since Capitol Hill?
2: Yeah, well, uh, they have for a number of reasons. Uh, So I think, you know, that was obviously a pretty jarring event to see A country i didn't recognize played through tv cnn bbc around the world and an insurrection was the last thing i ever expected would really happen i mean there were hints that that could happen in the run-up to the 6th of january but actually the fact that it really did uh i think was very disturbing for me and all of my countrymen in America and around the world. Since then, thankfully, we've had an inauguration. We've had a transition of power. Uh, We've had a number of rollbacks of Trump policies. Uh, The US has rejoined a number of global uh, networks and causes. And so I'm extremely optimistic that the next four years will be happier than the last four years.
1: Your perception, I think it's probably fair to say, uh, you know, it was low before Capitol Hill. It then nosedived and got a lot lower. But actually, it took a sharp upturn because there was lots of fear about what would happen at the inauguration. You know, whether it would go off smoothly, whether it would be a, a good showpiece for the world. And actually it did go off smoothly and it was a good showpiece for the world. So do you think some of that ground was quite quickly recovered?
2: Uh, I think it was. I, I think, uh, you know, we haven't had drama. Uh, we haven't had volatility like we did with policies announced on Twitter. We seem to have a more professional Approach to government, given the cabinet positions that Biden has, you know, has made has appointed. So all of those things together are already shaping, I think, the world's views of the country brand of the U.S. Uh, in in much in in a much more favorable light.
1: So it did take a it did take a nosedive and a, and, a, and a fairly rapid recovery, except. Before Capitol Hill, if we can manage to think about what the world was like before Capitol Hill, Trump himself, certainly prior to the elections, did have a brand. You didn't you may not have liked his brand, but he did have a brand to speak of. And to talk a little bit about his brand and how that's changed, we are joined as well today by Paul Hitchens, who is CIM educator and who's designing a course for CIM on international branding. Paul, how are you today, sir? Very well, Ben. Uh, great to join you again, thank you. In terms of Trump's brand, and what's happened to that over the last four years and the last four weeks? What's been the motion, what's been the movement
0: in your to your mind? Well, he's gone quiet. <laughs> right. He's gone extremely quiet because he's been kicked off of social media. Um, so, um, you know, we've been, for the last four years, pretty much inside his head, this stream of consciousness through Twitter has suddenly vanished. So it's rather strange, really. So um, whilst we were almost, uh, you could have said he was a very transparent brand. yeah. And I, I was thinking about some of the biggest themes that we've had in marketing over the last four years, about disruption, transparency and having a digital strategy. And Donald Trump really filled all of those to the maximum. He was disruptive right to the very end of his presidency um, and he's been transparent in that he pretty much used twitter like a stream of consciousness and um and of course he fully embraced digital channels to, to the extent that he was a top 10 twitter account and now he's being kicked off so um and kicked off really from facebook and uh, and uh, google so it's, it's really interesting because we've been so used to understanding exactly what he's thinking. And now it's become much harder to know exactly what he's thinking. Alison, we have moved from a position of high volume
1: to a position of silence, haven't we? And it's an extraordinary change.
2: It is an extraordinary change. Uh, and I, I don't know that I'd call it silence necessarily, but I'd call it uh, professional Uh, You know, I think policy is now being made uh, the way traditionally it should be, which is in consultation with experts, that experts now are valued rather than denigrated. Uh, It appears we're following the science and the numbers rather than uh, intuition. And uh, for me, it is really refreshing and to know that there's a, a seasoned hand on the uh, tiller is is really comforting.
1: Paul, you sounded slightly skeptical that he'd started off on the right foot, the executive orders that President Biden had made, which to some degree, or to a large degree, uh, really reversed some of the Trump uh, actions. But to what extent do you think that's necessary, that actually, Right at the start of a presidency, if you get all that stuff out of the way, uh, you know, do, do 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 the salt first, and then you can put the
0: sugar in later. I mean, that's a fairly good strategy, isn't it? Um, yes, I mean, I, I I think the thing here is that it, it, they were advanced with such unseemly haste to such a degree that they are breaking all records that have gone before. So, you know, Donald Trump reversed Obamacare. That was it, the one. Um, but what we have here is a whole, you know, a whole rack of executive orders. Um, and, you know, and there's, you know, there's some very good things here, of course. I mean, they've rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. You know, this is really important, especially from a British point of view, because, you know, we are in November going to be hosting this very important meeting to, to cover this. So, I mean, that, that is something that we can all be looking forward to a great bridge building opportunity for us. That's the COP26 UN Climate Change Conference at Glasgow in November. Um, so, um, you know, that that one of the first things he's done immediately gives us a great opportunity to be building bridges and working close together at that very moment. Um, so um, other exec- executive orders, of course, obviously to focus on COVID right now and the response to that and protecting the workforce, which, you know, really, um, very strong. Um, and I, d- I do applaud, you know, his his focus on um, values in the workplace. So there's some really positive things happening here. But of course, he's done them at such great pace. And that might be seen as trying to get something in before Congress can tackle it.
1: That's, tr- that's true, Alison, isn't it? But is there a case for actually just getting all of that stuff done very quickly, taking a bit of a hit for it, and then trying to build value, trying to build brand value as you go through? Is, do you think there's a case for that strategically?
2: Uh, you know, brand value is a function of trust. Yeah. And so it's a it's a, it's tested over a long time. You know, and yes, you could try to get all the unsavory stuff done first, uh, but then you're on the back foot and trying to regain trust. So I think if it was me uh, advising him, I would suggest that the goal is to maximize uh, the trust you've been given by 80-odd million who voted for you, and that's already underway by this rejoining of, you know, the WHO, Paris Climate Accord, uh, valuing experts, appointing good people, um and, and try to get on with the job.
0: In terms of the USA brand value, um it's very interesting. Only last week uh, brand finance launched their their global five hundred. And you know, overwhelmingly you can see the top ten are are American brands. You know, we've got the Apples, the Amazons, the Googles, the Microsofts, the Walmarts, the Facebooks, the Verizons, all there doing incredibly well. Um, it's interesting to listen to to the notes that, that followed that launch last week of the of the global 500 to hear that um, you know got to be also keep your eye on on the Chinese brands because China is really creeping up into the top 10 starting to get into the top 20 and in the long term you know the United States probably cannot expect to be the global superpower that it has been in the last century as it slips uh, in, in in way to China
1: is it it's interesting that um American companies have retained throughout the um, Trump administration a fairly high brand value. As an American who's been living and working in Britain during that time and before it, how have you managed to manage the relationship with your business colleagues um, here during the last four years or so?
2: So obviously, as the author of a book called Working with Americans, as you'd expect, I'm getting a lot of questions about well, was, maybe fewer now, but certainly was, about tell me how this place works. Tell me how the U.S. does things, because judging from, uh, you know, certainly Washington, uh, it looks pretty chaotic. On the other hand, uh, U.S. companies, uh, in tech especially, you know, are unbelievably Uh, dominant. Uh, You know, if you think about Amazon, you know, Amazon has uh, sales revenue of of 1.7 trillion dollars, which is larger than the GDP of Canada and just shy of the GDP of Italy as a company. So, the scale of what we do there is obviously massive. So, I try to explain that about scaling uh, about the business culture uh, and it does seem there is now more interest in the US again uh, since the inauguration of Biden. but then again, maybe it's just a UK phenomenon because of Brexit and the fact that companies are looking for revenue streams beyond the EU now so, I'm optimistic that the U.S. will, you know, America is back, uh, as Biden is promising, uh, and I hope America is back on the agendas also of the world uh, in terms of trade and investment. So I'm bullish.
1: Did you feel it during the last four years as an American when you were doing business in this country? I mean, did you feel it personally, the effect of the uh, Trump administration?
2: Well, I think every American would have to say yes, if they were honest. Uh, You know, you got the eye rolls and you got the, oh, my God, I can't believe the latest tweet. Can you? And the topic of the conversation invariably started with some big recent drama uh, of, you know, who's been fired, uh, who uh, has tweeted something It, you know, it was just constant uh, volatility. So, yes, and apologizing for it is what me and all of the other Americans I know in the UK and beyond have been doing for the last four years. So it's a relief, honestly, to not have to apologize for some of the unpredictable things that happened under the last administration. Have you noticed?
1: Have you noticed an immediate change?
2: Um, I have actually. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I get. A, I'm now getting a lot of congratulations from people saying, "Well done, getting Biden in, and gee, he seems like he knows what he's doing, and boy, you know, it's great to have America back in the game and WHO, etc. So yes, yes, we seem to be re uh, rewelcomed, which is just really nice i have to say
1: it's interesting isn't it, paul hitchens that actually one of the biggest changes that Alison has described we're looking at it from a sort of this from this side of the pond is that the noise and the interference and and the defending that she she had to do over the last four years has, has dissipated almost into nothing what do we have to do then for our international branding to attract uh the americans in this new era
0: well, I think we've got some great soft power that's going to work to our advantage here. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, the, the Bidens are, are friends with Prince Harry. So Jill Biden, of course, distinguished in her own right, you know, an educator, has a, a very good friendship with Harry and because of the Invictus Games. And of course, they have military connections. In fact, many people spotted the picture of Prince Harry at the Arlington Cemetery on the, on the inauguration day was much talked about. He suddenly made an appearance because he's in a framed portrait at Arlington Cemetery. But it brought out this really interesting point that there's a, there's a friendship there. So potentially the soft power of Prince Harry, of course, you know, a little bit contentious at the moment, but it could be an opportunity here to uh, open up a dialogue there. Um, it's also really interesting that um, Biden uh, has chosen the, the desk in the Oval Office, the Resolute Desk. The Resolute Desk is made from the timbers of a, a, a royal naval ship, the Resolute, uh, that was gifted to the United States. Donald Trump has sat at that desk, and so did Barack Obama. Um, so every, every decision, every, every uh, executive order that he signs is going to be a, on a piece of royal naval timber. Which is rather interesting when you think about that sort of soft, subliminal power of, of Britain. Uh, also, a, a really important point, that Boris Johnson was actually born in New York, and actually until relatively recently still had uh, US citizenship. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and in June, of course, we had the, the G7 in Cornwall. So there's going to be a real focus and a need for us to get together around a table. And the fact that Boris Johnson was the first international leader that, um, that Joe Biden, uh, President Joe Biden uh, called and spoke to, I think also you know bodes rather well for us. This month in February, UK takes presidency of the UN Security Council. So there are lots of reasons why we have to be talking to each other. And I think, I, I think that we've got a lot to be proud of and a lot lot of common bonds that we can find to work together with. Do you agree
1: with that, Alison, that there will be a rapid thawing of relations, which is what Paul seems to be alluding to?
2: I separate out the political from the commercial. Right. Uh, Because I think from a commercial perspective, yes. I think there is obviously more interest in trade and investment between the US and UK. I think in terms of political, It's going to take a lot longer.
1: Talk a little bit about the outlook for American companies and their impact on brand USA. I mean, Paul spoke earlier about the fact that, you know, whatever it is, uh, seven or eight of the top 10 brands in the world are American. That's not going to last forever. The Chinese brands will, will increasingly encroach on that top 10. But nevertheless, they remain predominant in the world. What do they have to do to try to embed that predominance and accelerate it, do you think, over the next four or five years.
2: Well, I'm kind of back to the concept of what is a brand, which is about trust. And if these companies, most of which, by the way, are tech, are going to keep our trust, then they uh, will need to demonstrate that their ethics align with their customers' expectations. And obviously, given they are tech and social media businesses in large part, so Google, Netflix, Facebook, Amazon, et cetera, uh, you know, there has been an abuse of data, of of consumers' data, uh, around the world uh, and in the U.S. by these companies. Uh, It's looking inevitable that they will soon be regulated and scrutinized much more closely under a Biden uh, administration and commerce secretary. So I think if they want to keep their position of authority and trust, then they need to think about their operating model and their corporate cultures in order to do that. And at the moment they're increasingly not trusted. So their leaderships have a big job to do to be able to, uh, Keep our trust so that when the, the Chinese companies, not Huawei, but others, uh, start to get traction as global brands, uh, people hopefully will make choices based on the ethics and the cultures of the companies and their operating model as much as the products and services that they sell.
1: That increased scrutiny upon them, Paul Hitchens, could actually act, medium term, as a blessing in disguise for them then, couldn't it? Because if they are under greater scrutiny and they have to build up their trust levels and their practice have to be improved, that could set them apart in a good way rather than a bad way as the scrutiny increases.
0: I think it, th- th- this situation creates an opportunity, an opportunity for innovation, opportunity for competition, opportunity for a, a cleansing, if you like, and new, new new competitors coming into the marketplace. The, the brand value of Twitter has dropped. You know, and we can see, you know, yes, they decided to counsel, you know, council culture has been another <laughs> big thing of the last four years. So, um, so they counseled D- Donald Trump, the, the president of the United States. And I think what a lot of people recalled from in horror was the fact that they could do that not that it, not if we take apart if we stand apart from the fact that it, it was the president of the united states with the fact that they are editing out there's been a lot of criticism about how slow they are to react in that they um in other aspects of public life or or, or severe, severe civil disobedience or um if you like um abominable acts of terror um hate crime and so forth have been incredibly slow slow to react and take any, any control. They've positioned themselves very much as a service provider. But when it came to the President of the United States, they actually exercised editorial control, which has completely changed the whole dialogue, has changed how we think about some of these social media giants. And I think it's really interesting here in the UK, the founder of Bebo has decided to relaunch and come back again. Now, I, you know, good luck to them and see how that goes. You know, very much a millennial brand, but it's an example of perhaps some of these brands have become so established that they've started to take liberties uh, and uh, and they've become complacent and I think this is this is the the, the danger for all brands when they start to do that so um, I, I think the way forward is potentially if you start to, put in place some restrictions here, um, if we start to exercise more um, control over the, over the power of some of these social media giants, we will see more competition and a more, more levelling out of the field. That's
1: interesting, I, I, Alison, the regulation, the change in the landscape, the change in the setup will create innovation in techs, which will lead to potentially some positive news for uh, US techs, new and old, going forward.
2: Well, I hope so. Uh, but at the moment, you've got leaders that are generally focused on making money uh, first and foremost, and uh, making sure that their the shareholders and their own portfolio are looked after. And maybe it's the next generation that take over. I'm hopeful that you know the next generation of leaders in these tech businesses uh, will be. Uh, as you know empathetic as we're told uh you know they should be so you know there's a long way to go we're learning about leaders every day and leadership and i'm very hopeful that the next uh, tier that are developing as leaders in these tech businesses will be a bit more balanced perhaps you know not putting the selling of your data uh, ahead, uh, uh, you know, of the ethics of it and genuinely providing uh, happiness and convenience and speed and all the other promises that they're making about how our lives will be improved. So, you know, it, I'm, again, as an optimist, uh, I think we'll get there.
1: Two years from now, they're looking into crystal ball, Alison. A better stock for U.S. brands, a better stock for U.S. business generally, and a better stock for brand U.S.A., do you think? Uh,
2: Yes, I think so. Two years out from now, we ought to have the pandemic under control uh, in the U.S. uh, And economically, the country will be in the midst of uh, repairing uh, the economy. It's gonna take a, at least a decade, maybe longer, to recover from the effects of COVID on it. So, uh, and and by that point, uh, Biden will be midway through his first term, and hopefully effecting even more changes that demonstrate America's commitment to be part of the world. So, yeah, I think uh, come 2023, uh, it's uh, it's going to be looking pretty good.
1: Paul Hitchens, brand USA looking
0: stronger. Do you think in two years' time? I think brand USA um, I, I'm optimistic for, and also for brand UK. I think I think is uh, the, the way that we've. Um, both both nations have concentrated on finding a cure for the pandemic and of making you know great headways with with those um with those great vaccines have been uh, uh, really where the momentum has happened for the awareness of our of our of our countries of our of our brands so we've got a new presidency so with that comes new ways of doing things new faces new 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 ways so yes with that comes again a great cleansing a great a great opportunity going forward so I, I do i do think it will be and I think we'll be better together. I, I, I'm optimistic that we will find ways to work together. Um, you know, I, I know that we, you know, share the same language, but we find different ways of expressing it. <laughs> but behind it, I think we have more in common than uh, than we don't.
1: Paul Hitchens, Alison stewart Allen, thank you very much indeed. Thank
2: you. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this
0: episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Podcasts.